Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Les Ivy, who will be sitting in for Matt Watson today. Hello. Hi, how are you today? <laughs> I'm doing glad, great. Glad for welcoming me here. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to, but before we get started here with Les, we are live at the Fund Conference in Kansas City. And Les is the CEO of the Fund Conference. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I feel like you may be well equipped to do that. Am I right? Absolutely. I look forward to talking about Fun Conference every opportunity I get. So we've uh, we've been here, and, and this is the first time this has been in Kansas City. That's correct? That's correct. We're doing five conferences this year. We've done Denver, um, Austin, Texas, Chicago, and Kansas City's number four. Miami comes in two months. Okay. So I had the privilege of, of being a panel moderator at the oh-so-coveted 8.30 time slot this morning. <laughs> um, but that was uh, still interesting. And uh, the, a, formal, a former uh, startup hustle alumnus and the mayor of Kansas City was my opener. Well, congratulations. That, that's kind of true. He just spoke before us. But <laughs> in the world of music, that would have made him my opener. So um, as we get started here, Les, let's, I'm going to just give you the mic for a couple minutes, and you can tell everyone that's listening about Fund Conference and like what it does, and then we'll get into a little more like why you started this and different stuff. So, Okay. Well, Fund Conference, really, the best way to visualize it is an ecosystem. The ecosystem consists of events that we do around the United States, primarily in the Midwest, and a software platform. A software is a service platform that's available on both the Apple App Store and Google Play that allows people to communicate and work together between conferences. So, for example, um, emerging growth companies that are here at Fun Conference today will have an opportunity to be contacted by investors after this conference. So rather than being in a situation where you have a conference and then you sort of disappear and no one hears from you for another tw 12 months, we have software that allows you to continue to connect around the clock. Um, in many ways, it's sort of LinkedIn for um, investors and entrepreneurs. Fun Conference is really set up not to be a place for startups, but rather for um, emerging growth companies. So our motto is um, team, that is you have a strong team. So on average, our companies have eight employees. You have traction, that is you have um, a decent product or service that you can offer and you have revenue. And the average company has revenue of at least $200,000 a year, which is not huge, but on average, it's pretty good. Um, in Chicago, two months ago, our, our average, or excuse me, the companies that we had um, exhibiting had already raised $159 million. Um, they raised a like amount of money at our conference. At this conference, although we have fewer exhibitors, these people have already raised about $500 million. Oh, wow. So they're successful companies. They're not just getting out of the gate. They're companies that have products, they have revenue, and they usually have very strong teams and strong investment partners as well. So what we try and do is help bridge the gap to the next funding round. So that's essentially what Fund Conference does. And I think that, you know, you mentioned, as you were describing everything, you mentioned the, the whole problem of, so here you are, you meet a bunch of people, and now they're gone. You know, and now you're not around the investors, you're not around the other people you're with. I go to a lot of events and a lot of, like, we'll just say general networking stuff. And that is an issue, you know, like you meet 100 people really fast, and it's like, 
who are you, you know, or you forget, or there's just a whole lot going on. And I, I love the idea of the, of the technology to increase connectivity. So uh, do you guys get a, a, a lot of good feedback about that? Is it still too early to say, or? No, we get a lot of great feedback about it. It's in the past, it was like going on a date. You know, you have the date, you have a great feeling, and then you wake up the next morning and it's over and you have, you know, another week or two weeks of, you know, uncertainty. What the app allows us to do is ensure that that communication continues to take place. But it is very investor-focused communication. Sure. So companies can put their information into our app. We go through great efforts to do due diligence on that material. So they provide financials, business plans, org charts, and that kind of thing. But they can't reach the investors. The investors can only reach out to them. But once that happens, it becomes a very fruitful conversation. So they can either meet up again at another conference, or they can start talking on the phone, or start talking by, um, you know, in mail on LinkedIn or whatever they whatever they choose to do. The other thing it does is it forces investors to stick to their investment charter. So as they enter our app, they have to check off what it is they're interested in. And this Maybe is, like fintech or software as a service or just different stuff. Or Exactly, because sometimes people go to conferences and let's say their um, charter is healthcare, but they see a really interesting software company in the gaming field and they decide to get interested in that and they discover it's not something I know, it's not something I should have invested in, and oh my God, what's happening? So we're really trying to protect investors for themselves. Um, and also trying to give emerging growth companies an opportunity to focus in certain areas and meet the investors that like those areas. So that protects people who are interested in, again, healthcare. They, they're exposed to companies that are in healthcare that have the timelines that go with healthcare. Sure. Um, so again, we're just trying to prevent mismatch. And the other thing our software does is it really creates a level playing field because when you look at companies in our software, you don't know who runs them. You know the facts behind it, but you don't know the personalities. And this essentially creates a situation where you can get interested in the company before you meet the person. This is part of really what we try and do through Women Investing in Women and Fund um, Inclusion is just trying to make sure that you make those decisions before you meet the people and you don't let your inherent prejudices keep you from making money. And that does happen frequently. So for those of you listening, you know, I like it when you are interactive, go to fundconference.com. It's that simple. And you can learn more about the fund conference and see what some of the upcoming dates are, where they're at. Now, um, you know, recently we, the topic of funding, capital resources, all that stuff is, is a hot topic in the startup community. Obviously businesses don't have the resources that they need to survive or grow or even get started. Then, well, you know what happens next. Um, one of the, one of the things that I, I really love about your description of the app is that the alignment, um, you can, so for those that haven't done it, when you hear, raising money as a full-time job, just believe me, it is, it really is. It is, it is. It, and it's not fun. It's, I mean, it, it, it sucks on a lot of different levels. It's excruciating. It's tiresome. It's easy to get your hopes up and then feel let down. There's a lot of different components about it, but one of the, some of the advice we've given recently is to be, to really spend some time vetting who you're seeking investment from, because like you said, with a healthcare fund, well, they're going to have a better understanding of you have a better chance of actually getting an investment from right. an investor that focuses on what you do. And then past that, that money is usually a little smarter. 
in that ecosystem, meaning the healthcare venture capital fund is going to, they, they're well equipped with helping businesses like yours find other levels of success. Would you agree? Absolutely. Um, the founder of Fund Conference, RJ Pahura, um, and myself between us have probably started eight companies. So we're very aware of the acute problems that go with raising money. This is something that we think about all the time. Um, if you were the founder of a company, um, what you want to do is focus on your technology and your service. That's what you're an expert in. What you end up doing is spending 50% of your time running the company and 50% of your time seeking money, which is not, not ideal for any company. So part of what we try and do at fun conferences, make your job easier. So for example, day one of all of our conferences is education for entrepreneurs on how to manage your cap table, how to manage your finances, how to manage your HR issues using outsourced people so that you don't spend your time doing that. You can spend your time on developing your product. You can spend your time on pursuing the right investors. So that's something we believe passionately in because we've done it. We've suffered through it. Um, and it is a very difficult process. Founding a company is for a certain group of people, um, people that tend to be um, on the lower end of the risk aversion scale. That is, they're willing to, to embrace risk. Um, their investors tend to be people that are a little more risk averse than that, though. So you have to bridge that gap. That's why it takes so much time to raise money. You have to be able to make sure that you can convince those people, that you can give them the right arguments, you can overcome their objections, and show them that you can provide them with an outsized return, because that's really the name of the game. If you if they want to make 2%, they can stick it in a bank somewhere. They're looking for much more than that, but they're also looking some assurance that you're managing the risk of the business. So... You mentioned earlier about the the businesses, the exhibitors that are here. Um, they they're vetted. You've already gone. They've gone through an application process for uh, for our listeners that might be interested in attending Fund at one of your upcoming events. Can you tell them how to how to how do they get in front of you? How do how do they put themselves in the pipeline for becoming an exhibitor or getting involved in what you're doing? Um, it's a very simple process. If you go to fundconference.com, we have a um, button to click on our website that says apply here. Okay. So you click the button. It allows you to get in front of us so that we can um, interview you. We can look at your financials, your business plan, everything to make sure that you're qualified to participate in fund conference. Once you are qualified, the cost of participation is almost zero. That is, you have to show up. You have to have transport to get to the, yeah. the conference. But the reason we do this is we're supported by our sponsors. So that's companies like Insperity, Hush Blackwell, Oracle, Certain, um, Scale Factor, organizations like that. So that's how we make our money. We do not make our money by participating in any of the fundraising. Um, there's no conflict of interest on our side. So we try and make sure that investors and companies can meet each other in a neutral environment, talk about business and network. Um, so if you're an exhibitor, we're happy to have you. Um, it's really an open field. There is no cost to participate. And, you know, there's a diverse uh, type of business here. And, and once again, this is the first, this is the first round in KC, right? Yes. Okay. This is, this is the first time we've been here. Um, I hope we continue to come back every year, but it's been very interesting. Yeah. And we'll talk more about some of the uh, challenges with promoting events, but um, yeah, so for those of you listening, tomorrow's episode will be with our wine in a can. 
guests. <laughs> uh, I, I was uh, perusing the exhibitor hall and we, you know, at Startup Hustle, I'm always looking for uh, people that do different things uh, because just because, you know, it makes this comes out four days a week right now. And we like to have different stories. So we, we we'll, we'll be visiting with the man can guys tomorrow who are quite interesting. Um, now, uh, you once again stated that, uh, you know, you're kind of industry agnostic in that term. Now here, a lot of the presenters or excuse me, exhibitors are related to ag tech. Am I correct? Well, we, what we try and do at each one of our conferences is pick three or four areas that are interesting for that geographic area, yeah, sure. but also allow us to concentrate enough companies to allow investors from the East and West coast to fly out here to see them. Yeah. So I'll say industry agnostic, but for example, this conference, we have a lot of ag tech, we have IoT, um, we have some dedicated cloud computing things. In the Miami conference is coming up, that will be very healthcare oriented. Um, so we just try and focus in so that we can make sure that investors can travel because Kansas City does not have a lot of venture capital or private equity. To be honest with you, neither does Chicago. So what we count on doing is attracting people from San Francisco, from New York, from Boston and other cities. Um, and by focusing, we can do that. You know, I'm finding as, and I just got back from San Francisco where, and for those of you listening, check out the series we did at TechCrunch and also with some of the companies that we talked to while we were out in the Valley that are actually involved with a local accelerator here. Uh, so we have Launch KC and uh, Full Scale, the company that Matt Watson and I own, is uh, is the official development partner of them. And you know, you look at—I mean, these are people that are traveling to Kansas City from San Francisco to participate in this program, and they get linked up. Uh, those companies were uh, partnered uh, with Black and Beach, which is one of the world's largest engineering and architecture firms. So, correct. Uh, you know, it's but what I'm really seeing is. And speaking to investors all over the place and doing a lot of different stuff that we do, um, there's a lot of value in the in the flyover states, as they like to call them. Um, and I, I'm seeing a level of interest that is is increasing, uh, largely because it's expensive and overly competitive to run early stage businesses in you know in the Bay Area, in Boston, New York, and some of these other places. What are some of the trends that you're seeing when it comes to just funding in general? Like what I mean, what's the word on the street, Les? Well, I think from a funding point of view, one of the issues right now is that there is more money available. There's no question about that. Um, but I think what comes with that money is the ability to demonstrate that you can produce those returns and that you can manage risk. So that's clearly an issue. We have a couple of companies here today that are from Silicon Valley. And the reason they came here is because the um, landscape there is so crowded with other yep. companies. There is a conference every day in the San Francisco Bay Area, but there are so many people competing for a shrinking amount of money. Out here in the Midwest, it's almost like Silicon Valley, 1983. Um, if you think about it from a university point of view, just where I'm from in Chicago, um, we have the University of Chicago, we have Northwestern, we have Inter the Illinois Institute of Technology, the University of Michigan, Notre Dame, Purdue. So we have a very strong ecosystem of educational institutions that produce engineers who make stuff. Okay. So what we're trying to do is take those people and the financial resources that may come from the coast and, and put them together. And we've been pretty successful in doing that, doing business anywhere from, say, the Rocky Mountains to... Pennsylvania is much less expensive. Rent is less expensive. HR costs are much lower. Insurance is less expensive. 
Um, everything is less expensive. So you can actually start a company in the Midwest, get to a point where you can be successful without jeopardizing your lifestyle. As a former resident of San Francisco and somebody who was born in San Diego, that's not easy to say on the West Coast right now. You have to be relatively successful to start a business, your first business, and that's hard to do for most people. So that's why we sort of focus on the Midwest. We do know there's a lot of money available. And what we try and do is make sure that each one of our companies has their act together. They've got an operating agreement that is solid. They've got a cap table that is comprehensible. Um, they've got legal documentation that is in order for everything from their rent on their building to all the other expenses they have. They have a qualified team. All the documentation for the team is available so that when they finally sit down with an investor, they can talk about their business, not about all the errors in their documentation and all the things that keep you from getting invested because you scare people. And that's typically what happens. The two biggest things we see is bad cap table. You know, you're not sure who invested in it or what they own or real estate. You've, you've leased an office that you thought you could grow into. And now you have a five-year commitment with annual escalation that you cannot get out of. So those are the kinds of things we try and stop people from doing before they do it. And if they've already done it, then we try and lead them to people that can help them manage it. That makes it much easier for investors to get involved with them though. So maybe our order of operations is a little backwards here, but I thought it was pretty important to get let people know what fund was even doing. Um, so, you know, in regards to the, as we kind of roll into the next subject. So this has been a two day event here in Kansas City. And, uh, you know, this morning I hosted a, I was the moderator of a panel that had all startup hustle alumnists on it. Um, but the topic was finding big success in a small market. And with that, we had Blake Miller from Homebase. We had Rachel Qualls from uh, Venture 360 and Liquify. had uh, Matt Watson, my co-host, and then Luke Einzel, who's the, the founder of, of a Thirsty Coconut. But throughout the day, there have been a mix of different panels of people talking about a whole lot of different stuff, a whole lot of knowledge being transferred there. Um, so you get a, a little more added value than just the, you know, like when I was at TechCrunch, it was just like, here's the exhibitor hall. And there was a lot to get through there, but at the same time, you know, and they, they do at TechCrunch, they do a lot of speeches and different stuff like that, but you know, it's like a higher level ticket and stuff like that. You get a lot more access at something like this. So with that said, I mean, what made you guys want to even start this? Well, RJ had probably a different reason when he started it five years ago. Um, he started it with DePaul university in Chicago. Yep. They had a desire to find a way for their entrepreneurs to get the ability to raise money. Um, I got involved because I've been through several um, startup or emerging growth companies. Um, I've had the same experience each and every time. Great product, a struggle to raise money. Um, I've had some literally world-class leaders on my boards of directors who have put money into the company. And when I looked at Fund Conference, I saw an opportunity to level the playing field, to make the process more objective, and to overcome some of the problems that I had. So Fund Conference consists of two days. As you mentioned, the first day is what we call Fund EDU, and that is essentially education for entrepreneurs. These are the, these are the tools you can use to avoid making mistakes that will make your business difficult to invest in. Day two is really a combination of programming that is of interest to entrepreneurs and interest to investors. So it's the kind of things that you were talking about today. And then in the afternoon, we expose them to our exhibiting companies. In reality, over the entire two-day period, they're already talking to the exhibiting companies. Yeah, sure. So um, 
Yeah, and by, and by the way, last night I attended a very tasteful and and well uh, and and very excellent uh, cocktail party. And you know, and here's the thing: is there's all kinds of stuff you can go to that. And you know, I even told my wife because I, I go to this, I go to stuff like this a lot. And like, there's a cocktail party or something, and you usually stay for an hour. Everyone's gone. I was, and this started at four o'clock, and I wasn't drinking cocktails, but I was, I was really happy with the uh the level of participation there was a ton of people there for starters and then everyone was very interested and engaged and i ended up staying the whole time and 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 that's and i want to compliment you guys on that because that's hard to do most people are kind of in and out on these things so we call that leader's house um and in every city we find a sponsor in kansas city we were very proud that it was hush blackwell um, so they sponsored the, the event for us. But the interesting thing was last night you had, for example, three former CTOs, um, in that room. One of them was me. I was former chief technology officer at Honeywell International, the former, um, chief technology officer of both British Telecom and YWE, the world's largest telecommunications company and the former CTO of AT&T. So we're sitting there networking with people and really trying to share our experiences and learning from them as well. So last night was really a networking event that benefited both investors who could ask questions about some of the companies they've been seeing and entrepreneurs who were like, Hey, you know, I've gotten pretty far. What should I do next? Right. So it's really a combination of taking VIPs, entrepreneurs, investors and just giving them a chance to talk because that's really all they want to do. I mean, you can have a conference if you like, and sometimes it's effective. I'm sure you've been to conferences as have I, where it's sort of death by, you know, presentation. Where Yeah. I, that's what I don't like about right. stuff like this. So, or things that are all expo hall. Exactly. Cause I mean, here's the thing, like, and I, you know, I, I keep referencing TechCrunch, but like that was exhausting. Cause like we're, <laughs> I mean, we're, you're talking like, nine straight hours on your feet basically, or, or in that regard. And you're in a busy hall, you're yelling to be heard. And, you know, it's just like, there's, um, you know, but the death by, pre and really in the end, a, a lot of the, while well, the presentation stuff's good, um, being, you know, corralled into that can also be exhausting because, you know, some, I mean, it's not that I don't care what others have to say, but like you said, it's like death by presentation. So well, after a while it becomes repetitive. So, you know, you've, it's not unusual to have, you know, presentations where you have your PowerPoint deck with your quad charts and everybody goes through it. And I, I really think we learned something from Jeff Bezos at Amazon, which was his prohibition against using PowerPoint. You cannot use yeah. it in that company. We stopped allowing people. Is that to, true? Absolutely. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> um, so last year we started yeah. doing the same thing. You can have a backdrop with your picture on yeah. it. If you can't, follow Albert Einstein's um, suggestion that if you cannot explain it in a few sentences, yep. then you do not understand it, yep. then you don't belong on stage. So that's what we try and do. Get people to talk about what they know. Don't rely on the PowerPoint. Don't rely on pictures because the audience gets bored. Yeah. You know, and it, you were here this morning at eight o'clock. Most people, you Sleepy. know, yeah, they, they don't need something. And then another thing too, is it's been really stormy here. And, and, but that's tough for getting people in at 830 in the morning. Cause like, I mean, there's, I mean, it was like legit storms. It wasn't just like sprinkling. It was 
like thunder and lightning and you know that slows things down and and sometimes people just wait it out a little bit you know because you're thinking about i'm going downtown i'm gonna have to park outside which you don't have to do here but um yeah well you're making me feel a lot better because i actually i actually um uh did exactly zero preparation for moderating your panel the panel this morning but i but the same way you talk about no powerpoint and the same way we do this podcast like sometimes people that listen to the podcast you know they they you know this is a conversational format and that's the same way that i think presentations are the best like i'm literally my notes for this say less iv ceo fund conference.com and if we can't talk about what you already know and then, then, you know, then you don't know it. Well, over the last 10 years, I probably raised maybe $60 million for a couple of ventures. It's a couple bucks. Um, if I wasn't able to do that, then I would not be able to explain Fun Conference. Yeah. The people that I know can do the same thing. So, for example, yesterday afternoon, the last or the second to the last presentation was a gentleman by the name of Matt Bross and several companies he was bringing with us. He's a former CTO with YWE. I didn't have to say, look, would you prepare me a six-page introduction to what you were doing? Um, rather, what I said is, just tell them what you're, what you're up to. Yep. He knows. Okay? So that's the kind of people we, we try and attract, and we try to stay away from, you know, abstract things that require you to show that PowerPoint. We want the audience engaged. So this is really our first year here. Next year, I think we'll we'll have an even more powerful group. We did try and leverage it off of back to Kansas City last week yep. and the um, startup um, crawl from last Friday. So we have a lot of those participants as well. I think Kansas City has a lot to offer. There are a lot of companies here. There's a lot of you know inno innovation energy. So we're really excited about that. And we see that in a lot of Midwestern cities. Now, we know it exists in New York and San Francisco. But most people don't understand it. It exists just about everywhere. Our job is to make sure that we help it emerge. So, and I know we're just getting to know each other. Um, I worked in the music industry for almost a decade. And, uh, and live events are hard. Um, they're really tough. There's a lot of things that can spin them off their axis. There's a lot of unknowns. There's just a lot more work that goes into putting on a show. We'll just say a show like we'll call it, this is just as much of a show as a music festival or a concert. It requires almost the exact same preparation. Like it's it's the same, but different. Um, what are some of the challenges that you've had to overcome and you know, uh, over the last few years with getting stuff like this going? Um, the biggest challenge was admitting to ourselves that we're not entertainment experts. So one of my first acts right. was to get rid of the internal crew that did it and hire an external crew that does it professionally 365 days a year. Good idea. Um, so part of what I did was take my Six Sigma lean training from Honeywell and document our processes, outsource the ones that we weren't doing competently and focus on the ones we do competently. Which so, is so here's an example. The the sound guys, the, the, those aren't your internal crew. No, no, no. Yeah. So I was like backstage, you know, with the presenters and and having some insight into the industry like those dudes were on it like they knew what to do they they you know lining you up getting you wired up mic'd up and people don't realize how difficult some of that is even like we're recording in the middle of they're preparing a cocktail party like 10 feet behind us you right. know and like and, and these are things that uh, you talk but live recording especially things that are mic'd like you get issues feedback problems stuff like you can clear a room out pretty quick with some feedback and, and I, I commend you on that. So what are, what are some other examples? Well, 
we have an event team that that goes with us from city to city. Um, so they handle all the production. Um, we put together the run of program, but they execute it for us. They handle all of our venues. They make sure all the catering and the lighting and all the other stuff is done. And to be frank with you, having looked at some of the proposals we get from some of the venues, um, sometimes um, I think the average layperson would not understand exactly what they're being charged for. So it's great to have that. Sure. We outsource um, all of our video and photography. So every single presenting panel is videotaped and photographed, and we offer those videotapes and photographs to the people who are doing it so they can use it on their website. That benefits us because people will say, hey, where was that from? What is this fund? So, for example, one of our sponsors is Insperity. Um, the CEO of Insperity made a, an hour-long presentation in Chicago that is now on their website. Um, so most of those kinds of entertainment-oriented things we have partners who do them in all five cities. Yep. The same partner does it in all five well, cities. You get one chance to mess that stuff up too. Right. Yeah. The alternative is me with my iPhone taking photographs, okay, which I can do, but it's probably not going to be very high quality. The things that we focus on are our software. So we have the software. Uh, we have the software as a service suite. Um, we develop the programming. We identify all the speakers. Um, we put together everything to attract the exhibitors and make sure everything's ready. So that's our core competency. That's what we do well. Again, with the objective of making things transparent, making things a little bit flatter in terms of the relationship with investors and companies so that there's a little bit more give and take and more communication. And that com that continues after the conference is over. So that's what we focus on. Yeah, and I think that's a, a, a brilliant approach, um, and that's a the hybrid mix. Uh, you know, you got to have your own experts, and then a lot of stuff gets uh, farmed out. You know, the music industry is very similar. A lot of people don't realize this, but you know, you, you go to a show at your local arena, and uh, you see a stage, and a lot of that, like that's a mix. It's always local equipment mixed with with uh, the stuff that's on the trucks, and some of that is just because, like, why. When you talk about like a six foot tall riser, which is basically what a large stage is, like why haul that around with you? And then also you see the uh, surge need, so the higher hire local crews to come in and basically, you know, the, it's a gig economy, like literally pun intended. There, it's a, like for the gig, and you know, these are people that good at, good at doing things for, you know, short little bursts and stuff like that. So if you, well, it's it's not just that. I mean, some cities. Um the venues we use require union labor. Yeah. And I was going to say, there's also a local ordinance. You talked right. about things you don't realize you, you are being charged for. And here's another thing. Don't, if you show up at a venue with all your shit and you, and like, and when you say, and it's really kind of comical because I've been through this with uh, my friends in the band Umphreys McGee and some of their shows, like one show they were loading in and I was like, who's this guy? They had to pay a union electrician to just stand next to the circuit breaker because they weren't allowed. You're not allowed to touch the electricity or do any of that stuff without a union employee. And now here's the thing. If you get there and you're setting up and you need to do something, you don't have that person there. Good luck. Well, we've actually had that happen last year in Chicago where we had a local team um, before I, I brought in a sort of a nationally renowned production company. We had a local team who didn't know that why they didn't know. Chicago is a very heavily unionized yep. town. So we ended up paying our by, team. By the way, my example was in Chicago. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> so we ended up paying our team and we paid yep. some Teamsters to stand around and watch yep. them, yep. which is fine, but it's it's really inefficient. So Again, there's there's the production entertainment side of what we do, which I do not understand. 
So when you talk about risers and, you know, all the other stuff that you need, I don't know. It's about putting it out on yeah. time too. Like, I mean, right. you go, you get people that, I mean, here's the thing, show, show goes on. Like, and and if it's not, if, if it's not, people aren't going to stay. And if you give people, uh, I'm, I'm big into the experience based marketing presentation. Like we do that at full scale. We host people, we, we take the work out of networking. So we do what we call it sweet and greet. Right. And we have uh, small batches of people at, in suites at the, at the Sprint Center, which is music and sometimes sports and the Kansas City Royals. And it's, it's, a, it's an experience that they remember. We class it up and we put them, we, it's similar to how you're vetting people here. I often refer to it as curated networking. So we try to get a mix of entrepreneurs, investors, and influencers in the room. And then we make it non-solicitive. You know, like they're around, everyone gets a plus ones. You bring your wife, your girlfriend, boyfriend, whoever, and you're like having a good time. But, but if you can give someone a meaningful experience, especially if it's helping them get something that they want in general, uh, it's powerful. It's powerful. Well, our belief is that we can't, we cannot obviously make investors invest in somebody else's company, nor can we make a company accept an investment from, from a private equity or venture capital or angel group. We can do is set the stage so they have an opportunity to talk. And I'm happy to say that because of that opportunity to talk, hundreds of millions of dollars have been invested in companies that came to fund conference. Um, we and see that's that, cool, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. feels good. So we can point to companies and say, look, that company became a little bit more successful of something because of something we've done. And we want to continue to perpetuate that. But we want to keep this on an intimate um, level. So some cities we might have as the thousand as many as a thousand attendees, some cities maybe 500, but the objective is to keep it intimate so networking can occur and not make it so gigantic that really all you are is a participant, you know, amongst 10,000 people who show up. And again, my previous company was a medical diagnostic firm and I went to so many medical conferences where, for example, at McCormick Place, there might be 50,000 people there. You can't really effectively network in, in that kind of environment. Um, yeah. And that's the, like with the sweet and greet, that was like the whole thing. I, I actually, uh, I will say, I can say I invented it because there wasn't a hashtag sweet and greet on Instagram, but, um, I, you know, with both Matt Watson and I, um, well, A, I don't like huge networking events for the reasons that we've mentioned earlier. It's just, you know, too many people. And then also like, it's just, if you can get exactly around the kind of people you want to be around and that you want to talk to and kind of reduce the noise, it can be so much more effective. Right. Um, it's, you know, there, and I'm not really sure what, you know, they, there's, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but there's this, uh, uh, I guess, scientific law or principle that says you can't have meaningful relationships with more than 150 people, like in life. Like once you get past that, they just start to escape you. But I, and I'm not sure what I, I think once you get past about 30 to 40 people in a room, it gets watered down and it, it gets, it gets a little tougher. I, I think on average, that's probably true. And it's, it reminds me of sort of a funny observation. So fun conference has something like 60,000 venture capital um, private equity, angel, high net worth, family office people in our database. I just hired a salesperson who has about 25,000 LinkedIn contacts. I've only got 300. And I thought, well, this can't be true. So I, before I hired her, I started checking. There are some remarkable people out there that can manage that. I'm yeah. not one of them. Okay. I, and I actually looked at my 300 contacts and I thought, I can't believe I know that many people. 
Yeah, I've got so. 21,000 connections and sometimes people are like, Hey, you're connected to so-and-so you can give me an answer. I'm like, I don't even know how I know this person. <laughs> so, uh, once again, this episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io. We help you build your tech team quickly and affordably. Uh, while you're on the internet checking out Fullscale.io, stop by Instagram. Uh, you can see some pictures of fun conference. You can see uh, Les and I's beautiful faces uh, <laughs> smiling and, and willing to welcome you to the next event. Um, go to funconference.com and check out what they're doing you know, there's, there's really something to be said about shortening the path to those you need to speak to. And that's really everything that you're going to see here. Now, Les, I, we're in the middle of your event here. Your closing remarks are coming up here pretty soon. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Do you have anything else you'd like to say? No, just thank you for the opportunity to talk to you about Fun Conference and thank you for coming to Fun Conference. Um, we'd just like to spread the word about the opportunity we offer and to give as many companies as possible an opportunity to meet the people that can help make their dreams come true because that's really what it's about. I like it, and thanks for doing what you do. Thank See you, you next much. time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.